Welcome to the Boss Bitch Show podcast. We are so excited to have the one and only Jocasta, <laughs> aka Moss Bitch. Moss Bitch, present, presente. Yes, yeah, same. boss bitches love moss bitches. Ah, uh, yes. Mm. So Jocasta is a very, 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 very highly talented, highly intuitive. I'm going to say healer. I know people don't like that word, but yeah, you truly I are. I know. <laughs> I know. But you really are to me. Okay. Um, but uh, what would you say? Uh, massage therapist, Reiki practitioner, interfaith minister. I uh, prefer interspiritual minister. Interspiritual. Thank you. I like that. Yeah. Mm. And a wonderful friend. And just like you're like part of my team. You know, people that, that that keep mm. me like aligned and, and happy and healthy. Thank so. you. Beautiful. Yeah. So we like to start off. What makes you a boss bitch? What makes me a boss bitch? In your humble opinion. Um, I come from a lineage of boss bitches, actually. Work. <laughs> um, I love the way you guys define it, right? It's just women doing, or not necessarily women, but mm-hmm. humans uh, doing great things out in the world. So I definitely yeah. know that I come from family that has. Um, yet at the same time, in the other way, um, come from a lineage of both men and women who have uh, had their own small businesses in the, in the ways that they could. We immigrated from the Dominican Republic. Um, I do work for myself, and it's always been my intention with massage therapy to work on my own. I never really wanted to be at a spa. It seemed like you're just, just too fast moving, too fast paced for, for my liking. And yeah, I, I hold it down with uh, being a mom of two children a present wife, uh, present for my community, for my friends, for my family. So all of the above. Though, Work. you know, I do also acknowledge that initially, boss bitch to me did not resonate. Yeah. <laughs> I was there's like, some mm, controversy. there's toxic masculinity yeah. all over that. Mm. Um, and that is true too. I have experienced that yeah. where I had to engage just women and acknowledge where they were at the moment and, mm-hmm. and they weren't showing up, you know, necessarily... Yeah conscious in a conscious way yeah yeah we we definitely debated for a while because you know there's the boss babe culture Mm. um that which feels so different but yeah the boss the boss babe culture um we discovered i didn't really know much about it and then we discovered it's kind of like this kareny kind of like um mlm yeah like like yeah Mm. avon ladies and (laughs) um you know you gotta be a strong woman because you know you gotta make your man happy and it was like oh yeah and it's a lot of um how it feels to me a lot of the time is it's just capitalism masking as feminism Mm -hmm. and and exactly and toxic individualism masking as feminism like you're you're the only one who's in charge of your own happiness and wealth mm-hmm. and all of that and it gives absolutely no attention to systems and oppressive systems exactly. especially to women exactly um so we're not that no no <laughs> but i think it's a you know i think it's fun when people have like a pushback to the term mm-hmm. because we especially the word bitch i mm. feel like we as female identifying people get to define mm. how how we use that word and and we get to take back that word if we so choose yeah. not everyone has to use it you yeah. know and it used to be a hugely triggering word for me because when i would fight with my mom as a teenager mm. she would call me a bitch mm. and so you know i'll jokingly say to people in bed like you know you could call me a whore you could call me a slut but please don't call me a bitch thanks 
Yeah, in different contexts. Yeah, yeah you right? got to set your boundaries. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, and and you'll see later with the big deck energy cards, it's like, you know, we're purposely taking back words and reinventing them because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, you know, let's redefine them. Let's yeah, totally reclaim them. That. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, beautiful. I love that you said you're an intergenerational boss bitch. <laughs> I it's love true. that. I love that. Yes. Wow. Yes. You want to talk about that a little? <laughs> you like you want to yeah. talk about that? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I... More. Well, in coming coming from the Dominican Republic, both my parents were born in the countryside. Mm-hmm. I think I was the first to be born in the capital of Dominican Republic versus the countryside. Mm. Um, I'm sort of a 0.5 generation, not a first generation, but also because I came so young at the age of five, I I was technically I'm you know I was born and raised here. Interesting. Um, 0.5 generation. <laughs> I like and, that. And from term. and from the beginning, it's been you know whether it's my dad came here initially because his brother, his younger brother was here, had his own business, his own bodega. Uh, so I just grew up watching all the adults around me running some type of side hustle, uh, sometimes main hustle. Uh, my mom still has her side hustle. That's how she sustains herself. And yeah, it's been like a beautiful journey to to learn. Initially, when I started Casa Healing, and wanted to do it on my own from my apartment, very grassroots based. I had one client who's like, you're like the Oracle from the Matrix, just, just this random apartment. And you're like, what's happening in there? And you walk out and you're like, okay, I'm, I feel better now. <laughs> so I, I love that. I appreciate that. But it's also, that's also part of my lineage, right? My grandmother on my father's side used to read coffee cups. So you would go to her house, she'll chill, chill with her for a bit, drink your coffee, and then she'll flip it over the, the stove and read you it's like an oracle and you know i i do firmly believe that we can all we all have access to in essence to project our intuition into mm. anything there's mm. people that read hair that read your palms that read your hair feet <gasps> yeah wow. as a massage therapist i like to th- i not that i like to think i i've noticed that uh there is a reading happening not intentionally through the body oftentimes mm. clients are like how did you know that and i was like i'm just working on your body and some of it is 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 logical some of it is like i'm a massage trained massage therapist i see that your shoulders are very close to your ears there's this tension you definitely at least the way i'm looking at you seems like you're carrying a burden what is mm. it that you're carrying on your shoulders that maybe mm. you need to put down i love the way a mentor of mine put it she said um it's like a backpack or like mm. a jacket just take mm. it take it off how can you take it off? You know? She's taken off put a it, lot of backpacks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. When so I yeah. used to have Reiki clients, um, I was on this woman's like shoulder blade. There was like this moment and I had a vision mm. and I said to her, I was like, this might sound crazy, but I think you energetically just let go of your ex-husband. And she was like, oh my God, I was just like dreaming about him. And mm. I was like... Yeah, it's not me. I'm just I'm the I'm the vessel. Yeah, I, we we all have access to it. I really like the way that you put it because a lot of people, you know, like scoff at things like that, like reading tea leaves and reading things like that, but you said project your intuition. And I think that's so interesting that like there that is the motion of the information. Mm-hmm. So like the information is coming from your intuition to the object or whatever mm-hmm. it is and back. Like there's a circular mm. um, information mm-hmm. uh, thing happening. Yeah. Portal. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like channeling too because it's, I feel like we're never on our own. Mm. It sort of, it just reminds me to, to trust myself too, right? The, mm. the projection part, I could, I could do that in a Rita and, or even ask someone else to do a reading for me. 
Um, but at the end of the day, it, I always notice it it confirms what I already know to be true. Mm. So it's nice because it's just a synchronicity and there's value and meaning in synchronicity. Mm. Uh, not in the way where a lot of people are sort of um, going almost like paranoid about like, I saw double digits or what does this mean? What does that mm. mean? And we're just sort of almost obsessively right. analyzing mm. and there's no surrendering in the process. Right. There's no like. How about you just go with the flow of it or set your intention and then let it go? Like you can't like carry tattoo the intention on your forehead and, say every, right. and keep looking at the mirror. Like when is it happening? Right. right. Um, I, no, saw, no, no, no. I saw a really great meme on Instagram the other day that was like, this bitch sh thinks she's like seeing like, you know, magic numbers everywhere. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, you just never don't look. You always looking at your phone. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to see them uh, because mm -hmm. you never put your phone down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I do see 11, 11, 11. I see them all. All. <laughs> you're like, I yeah. all of it. Three, 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 two, 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 yep. four, four, four. <laughs> yeah. I do. I do like to, if it's repetitive to the point where I'm like, all right, what the hell? Right. I'm into numerology. I've always been like, I mm -hmm. did it for my son before he was born. And lo and behold, yeah, numbers have some accuracy for to sure. them. Like yeah. they do embody. I mean, that's the, the whole, um, essence of sacred geometry right it's math it's numbers and yep. it doesn't even come from the human mind mm. it's already out there in the cosmos i know for sure yes you know i'm not per se i'm not religious i can say that not even per se i know i'm not religious yet i'm i'm very ground i've been always very grounded in spirituality even as a child showing up to church receiving the benefits of it i did feel like oof that was nice like just yeah. simply because i had that time mm -hmm. to to check into that inner self that wouldn't I wouldn't have had on my own on my house probably I'll find ways to distract myself like I still do present tense numbers are everywhere so I do like to check in like okay numerology what does the number two represent sure let's just read it up just for mm -hmm. the sake of reading it up if it resonates I apply and if it doesn't then you know it is it is what it is yeah I mean I think um I I'm really like a uh someone who connects with the spirituality of science. Mm -hmm. And I, I like think that. there is a deep spirituality within science. And you brought up sacred geometry. When Rachel and I, yes, when <laughs> Rachel and I, um, we did mushrooms together mm. and she did Reiki on me. And that was what I saw. I saw a laser pyramid being built perfectly in perfect sacred geometry yeah. being built around me as I was ascending and my higher self said, this is going to be a difficult life for you. Mm. It's going to be really hard. And if you keep going, we will build it. Mm. And it was such a clear message. And Rachel was doing Reiki on me while I was meditating. And I, I mean, it was probably one of the most powerful experiences of my life. Mm. yeah that sounds yeah. beautiful yeah i love that imagery too yeah i like saw it <laughs> yeah it's interesting too that you talk about like you know being in the in the church because i have actually pretty fond memories of going to synagogue mm. with my grandparents and i wasn't really into like what they were doing but i felt like the energetic experience like looking back i don't think i was aware of it as a kid but i was just kind of like okay this feels good mm -hmm. you know okay we're all kind of doing this thing together there's like a reverence and then it wasn't until college mm -hmm. that I actually was able to study Jewish mysticism. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Um, 
which is so much about I numerology it. yes. and it's and I got to study it like in an academic setting mm-hmm. so you get to like really delve deep into mm-hmm. like you know the the science of it really yes. the Kabbalah yeah and like the um the apocrypha which is basically like the parts of the bible that weren't included <gasps> and but, also that like oh, why, why did you why did you remove it uh someone in my interspiritual program uh, I went to one spirit um downtown <laughs> they um they shared the Mary's gospel, which is something not included in the Bible. And that to me was very transformative to read where even there, she's like, this is what I saw. This is what it was. And it's Mary Magdalene specifically, actually. Right. Who witnessed um, the resurrection. And, and it was fascinating how even there it's like mansplaining was all over the damn gospel. It's like, Oh really? They just don't believe her. They just like, no, this is Paul of course was the one that was like, no, well, yeah, and I mean, Jewish mysticism back in the day was only allowed to be accessed by men age 40 and above. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wow. the fact that I can even, you know, have these books is like, you know, it's a, a, a current well, yeah. privilege of the, our present time. You and, know. you know, with with religion versus like spirituality, like I there's so much value in communal intention. A hundred percent. And that is my takeaway from religion. Like you have a designated space where the community comes together mm-hmm. for a shared intention. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Very. You can apply that. that to anything. Anything. And I was saying that to, to Rachel the other day because she was like, oh, I went to an in-person yoga class. And I was like, oh, my God, I would die. Like, I haven't been to one since before the pandemic. Oh, wow. And that shared experience is so different from me doing it in my bedroom to like Zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That shared intention and mm-hmm. breathing together, mm-hmm. breathing together. I mean, that's, I mean, it's also why singing is such a huge part of most religions. Yes. The vibration of your voice is actually very powerful. And even yeah. in a lot of sacred texts, right? Like even the let there be light, like it was spoken. Like there's a lot about uh, God in whatever form you, that, you know, you envision that um, spoke, like used words or sound, simple sounds, even the big bang sound, right? right? To create everything and, and vibration is that there's like shapes and there's lots of experiments with water responding to music responding oh, to sound oh gosh. it's so interesting yeah and, i was um, so into that what was that the the doctor uh, it was a japanese author who did yes. a whole book about i'm very bad with expo- names yeah yeah same i, I grabbed the gist we'll put I it don't in, the, in the notes in yeah. the liner notes um yeah who would do who would study the um the vibrations and and the effect that it would have yeah. on the water molecules exactly and hate what it looked like and love what it looked like and then m- when it was something <sighs> positive or beautiful it created sacred geometry mm-hmm. indeed and mm-hmm. i mean all of this stuff is connected. I literally yeah. have a yeah. Oh my God, show that to the camera. I love it, I love it, I love it. Yeah. I don't know how it comes up with it. Oh my God, that's um, Yeah, this beautiful. was a joint tattoo my husband and I did for our 10-year anniversary. I have oh the flower God. of life. He has the same tattoo with the Met- Metatron cube. And um, yeah. What is the Metatron Metatron's cube? my dude. What's the Metatron <laughs> cube? I need to know. Um, well, it, it's, it's, it's another sacred geometry shape. Mm. A lot of these shapes are the foundational shapes of literally everything like you can zoom into a microscopic mm-hmm. um, leaf yeah. and see something or you know fabric or just different things mostly organic things mm-hmm. too um specifically she just did that because the metatron cube was more a more masculine shape and 
the flower of life circle is more feminine. Right. Mm. I got it on my left arm, which is like the yin side. He got it on his right, the yang. Oh, right. I love that. At the end of the day, right, we're all of the above. Like we're both. And mm-hmm. that's something I play a lot with because there's so much division uh, everywhere. Even, and I get it for identity politics, the importance of it. But at the same time, um, I, I had to, there was a point where I had to be very conscious of the words I used because if I said masculine, feminine, that already has a whole mm-hmm. a whole imagery, a whole set of things for people. So I started using more yin, yang or dynamic, magnetic, just other words yes. that mean, in essence, the, the quality of the energy is what I'm mm. talking about and describing. We do, we absolutely have both. And, and someone was asking me recently, they were like, do you think you can be both masculine and feminine? They were sending me like a meme, like, what are your thoughts on this? And I'm like, you can absolutely be masculine in your career and feminine in your relationships and, and vice versa. Like whatever, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever floats your boat. And we, we have a load of different, you know, uh, hormones that mm-hmm. are run both ways. And, and yeah, I do refer to masculine as a bit more like efficient and this and this and feminine is a bit more soft and flowy, but yeah, you're right. There's but we a have, whole lot. We of, have both. Yeah. There's a whole lot built into all that, and and I'm, you know, we've talked about this a lot. Like, it, it's refreshing that we're finally in a generation where, like, uh, you know, gender dynamics and uh, constructs are mm-hmm. finally being like, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, I have friends who are non-binary, who dress in drag, mm-hmm. who, you know, are transitioning. And I, I'm, I mean, this country has a long fucking way to go, but yeah, you know, for sure. we're getting there. And they were just at two friends I had lunch with were just at an exhibit called um, queer maximalism. So it was like all these queer designers making these Ooh. fucking fat. And it's like the Guggenheim. Thank Ooh. God. Like wow. we're, okay. We're recognizing fabulous, like out loud, beautiful works of art in, in a public space. Mm-hmm. Finally. Like, yes. Okay. Great. I yeah. gotta go see that. Yeah. We should go see Sounds it. Sounds amazing. Um, anyway. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, this is how it goes. <laughs> I know. It's I all mean, good. It's, it's all good. You know, it's much of the conversation right now around like, you know, trans rights. And I follow that guy, Matt XIV on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So amazing. I don't know how they identify. So I'll just say I they. think it's they, but I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll just use that then. But um, they posted something like, and I've heard this multiple times, but it was with such clarity of, well, you criticize someone as a child for, let's say they're, you know, perceived as male and mm-hmm. you criticize them for being too feminine, too girly. Yes. And then they transition and now that's not acceptable. Mm. So what's acceptable? Mm. How do you want it's how do you want them to exist? They exist. Mm. Let them exist. I think that's the key thing you said. It's like there shouldn't be a question of how do you want. It should always be according to what the person wants. Right. Um, And that goes into all the stories we hear about ourselves. Even our own gender identities are so constructed by what people, Mm. how people see us and Mm -hmm. what people think of us. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when when my parents divorced when I was 11 years old, I... looking back at it now I see how it was was like a psychological coping mechanism but also it was so much of how I already identified like androgynous Mm. I just became somewhat of a tomboy quote-unquote and you know I was wearing men's jeans and men's clothes baggy things 
Um, I loved Aaliyah because to me, she would like have both. It's like, oh, she's wearing the bag of stuff, but she's also like very cute and sexy yeah. and like mm-hmm. very, uh, just embodied both in a way that was relevant to mm-hmm. me. Nonetheless, I wouldn't like show myself with like an open shirt, just a bra. Mm-hmm. I was very much a bit of a prude growing up for various reasons. Some, some of that sexual trauma. Another part of that is I don't want that attention. I was terrified of my boobs growing. I was like, no, I'd rather not look at that attention that they get. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and even, you know, and then I had other women, other young women around me, uh, my friends who I'm still friends with till this day that I grew up with that did want that attention. And it did something for them. And, you know, all all the merrier, sure. like it's it's totally fine. But I I had to acknowledge the connection between the fact that like the male figure of my life wasn't there anymore and I somewhat embodied that lack. Maleness. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is really interesting. Yeah. I something you said was very um well all of you said all of what you said was very poignant. <laughs> um but I I find that a lot with myself with like, you know, putting a lot of effort into my day to day clothing and how I present myself. Um, because New York City is like so populated, I oftentimes really want to disappear mm-hmm. in a lot of ways to protect my energy. And I recognize that about myself that like, because I know when I do put a lot of effort, I'm wearing like full hair and makeup and I have my, you know, faux fur coat and my mm. heels, you know, like you get attention. Mm-hmm. And I don't always want that attention. Sometimes I want to go run my errands and go do my thing. And I want to be left alone, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that is such a valuable thing to one, identify, and to two, allow yourself to have. Mm -hmm. As, As a female identifying person, I think that's really valuable to allow yourself because I know a lot of female identifying people that are trapped mm-hmm. in almost, that yes. are almost trapped in an expression that they feel they must present as. Yes, mm-hmm. and that that word trapped, mm-hmm. right? Cool. I feel like that 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 exemplifies so much of my own personal experience and a lot of the experience of, of young women feeling trapped and overwhelmed. That was mm-hmm. like a lot, various different points in my childhood where I'm like feel trapped and overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And I see it in both ways. Even, uh, you know, I have friends that are, you know, queer friends or that feel like they want to uh, just show up or, or as more of male identified. And they can also feel trapped in that where it's like, oh, do I want to wear a dress? Do I wear a dress or do I wear makeup or not wear makeup? It's like, no, you can do mm. whatever rocks your boat or flows your boat <laughs> at any given moment in time. But it's this yeah. idea again of identity and how I feel like it can trap you. Mm-hmm. So I think it is important to acknowledge the multitudes, multitudes we we embody and that we do have yeah. within, there are different parts of ourselves. Yeah. It's it's so complicated. I, I was, um, you know, we both reposted Madonna recently, yes. you know, presented, right, at the Grammys. And, uh, you know, she got a lot of shit, a lot of mm-hmm. ages and a lot of mm-hmm. sexist and a lot of misogyny. And uh, someone responded, you know, wrote me a DM, like a fan of mine, and was like, well, I mean, her face does look kind of look like the current little Kim. And I said, yes, I understand that. I said, but you do need, of course, it was a man. Um, (laughs) I was like, you do need to understand. I said, you know, this world, especially the music industry, the acting business, it's very ageist and it's still very sexist. And so, 
I'm guessing that Madonna and Lil' Kim did what they felt they needed to do to keep up with industry standard. Mm -hmm. But additionally, it's also their choice. And on some level, it could make them happy. On some level, they might be, you know, playing the game. It really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, they get to choose what they want to do with their body. And if, if they feel empowered by it, like, go Mm -hmm. good you know and as madonna said bow down bitches like (laughs) right she established a lot of things and broke a lot about barriers and you know good for her fuck you know yeah absolutely um yeah and i think you know where it's so easy to criticize women and to criticize the way they look and what they're doing with their bodies a lot of the time it always it's like why aren't we looking at the systems why aren't we looking at the systems that created the circumstances in which a person feels they need to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether you think it's right or wrong, whether you like it or don't like it, but what are the systems that created it? And before I forget, there's a really great, there's a really great sketch by Black Lady Sketch Show. Mm-hmm. I love um, that show. It's, I mean, mwah, like perfect. Yes. The first season, every single episode was perfection and their wig game. I love wigs. I'll show you my wig room later. <laughs> I, I love to see that. wig room. Um, but they, it was like, it was a bunch of women getting together and they were all like, yeah, you're like, they were all like hyping each other up. Like, oh, you're like, cause they, they were very like dressed and like looking fierce. And it was like, yeah, you're a bad bitch, bad bitch. I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing the sketch. But then like at one point, one of the women is like, what if sometimes I don't feel like being a bad bitch? (laughs) And it's so funny. It's true. And she just sort of admits like, I'm so tired. This takes so much. It takes energy. It takes energy Mm. to put up. It's the same thing with boundaries. I Mm. mean, there's so much talk about boundaries. They're very essential. Um, And very simple really to work with. It's just that we can't sometimes wrap our heads around it. It, it takes energy to put up a shield. That's what a boundary is. It depends on how you hold it. Because you can put up a boundary, how I tell my daughter. I was like, she's really into unicorns. So I'm like, imagine a bubble. You see like those bubbles, like when you blow bubbles? It's like that type of translucent. Mm. Just imagine a bubble around you. It's permeable. Things come in and out of it. But good things come in, right? And good mm. things come out too. Like it helps you be aware of what you're putting out there. You can decorate it in your mind however you want. And she's like closing her eyes and getting real hyped about like, you know, what she's visualizing. Um, but that type of boundary where you do a visualization like that and you let it go versus like literally holding up a shield, which takes effort, Mm. right? Sometimes our boundaries are way too thick or like there's just no wiggle room, no flexibility, and that's not helping you or, or the environments that you're showing up into with those thick boundaries, right? So it's, (sighs) it's it's a give and take and it's all protective. It's all to protect our hearts. It's all learned behavior too. Mm -hmm. When you were mentioning, um, you know, why don't people question the systems is that if, if they're going to do that to look at outside of themselves, it means they have to do it for themselves too. Mm. And that's, I think the scarier part it's that you have to sit with your shit and your shadow. Walk through your own shadow of mm-hmm. valley of, what is that, that lyric? As I walk, walk through the, the valley of the shadow, shadow of death. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I what's mean, your valley? Like, yeah. where, where are you much. taking yourself through I'm, and are you willing? I mean, that's always the thing when, whenever we get triggered, right? Whenever something causes, like, a very intense response, it's like, well, what about that is being reflected? Mm. What mm-hmm. What part of you are you seeing that you're uncomfortable with? Exactly. And it's like, you know, everyone's criticizing Madonna for the way that, well, why does that make you so uncomfortable? Because she's not, she's not, 
fitting into a standard that you have for women of a certain age. Is that it? Mm. You know, she's not allowed to look like that. She's <laughs> not, she's not allowed to age the way she wants to age. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it kind of also reminds me of like the elementary school when the boy <laughs> hits you and therefore he likes you sort of thing. Like I ran into a f- friend associate of mine the other day and he was all like, oh, Rachel, you're killing it. Yeah, actress, comedian, uh, <laughs> kinky pictures on the internet. And I just looked at him and I was like, mm-hmm. And you're looking at them and you like them. He's like, yeah. He's like, you're, you're, you're bold and, and you're beautiful. And I was like, <laughs> You could just say you like me. Like, it's fine. You don't yeah. have to, like, try to, like, put me in a box. Or, like, I'll have dudes get, like, say that they're jealous of my thirst traps because, well, I can't do that. Said uh-huh. who? That's your own limitation. Right. Like, you want to post a picture with your shirt off or you want to show the world your ass? Well, I don't have boobs like you. Okay, but you have other parts. Or even, it doesn't even have to be showing. It could be just engage the internet how you want to engage right. it. Or not engage it. For In my case, I tried, I engage it, let's say, maybe on Facebook with like my own family pictures or like, that's the whole point. I started joining Facebook to begin with back when it began. It was just to like have a, exactly what it is, a scrapbook. Facebook is a, face, mm. a scrapbook. Yeah. So I can go back and be like, wow, 15 years ago. That's yeah. where I was. Or you like, know? you know, if if the brand if my brand is silly sexy and that's what I want to share with the world and it's working, that's what I want to do. And you know what? If you just like took three seconds to like think about what people would find sexy, like maybe just I don't know. Or how what makes you feel yeah, sexy? Yeah, what makes you not feel sexy? What, yeah. Not even what people find sexy yeah. because it's what makes you feel sexy, you yes. know? Um how yeah. authentic, yeah, you're showing up to it. That's right. That matters. Which I guess is just, you know, maybe at the end of the day, they're just like, oh, wow, I wish I had the balls to do what she's doing. Well, you know, it's, I don't know who said it first, or maybe multiple people have said it in different ways, but it's like when you shine really bright, you shine your light on other people's darkness. And it can be very uncomfortable for Mm. that person Mm. of like, you've just put the flashlight right on my dark parts and and I'm uncomfortable, Mm. you know? Mm. And it's, you know, it's like that Marianne Williamson quote of like, you give others permission to to shine their light. And sometimes people aren't ready. They they aren't ready to permiss themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And keep shining, baby. Yeah. Hey. Everything, everything <laughs> is, is a power dynamic, truly. I, mm-hmm. I've been listening to Carolyn Miss a lot. She has a whole series on archetypes. Mm-hmm. Anything related to archetypes, I'm really mm-hmm. into. A lot of our conversations pre and post session are like, yes. archetypal energy is. Mm. Oh, um, I love her books, too. Got they're it. great. Uh, but she's, she talks a lot about that, the dynamic of power, and like how in our journey to empowerment, like how many others are you disempowering? Right. Or can it be possible to empower yourself without disempowering others? Mm. Wow. And there's a lot of empowerment out there, including the even the whole boss bitch uh, from that other perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. Not the perspective you guys embrace where it's actually disempowering to other to other boss bitches or maybe people who, you know, like like we were saying initially, who want to be more of a moss bitch. Just kind of want to lay Lay down and lay low and live on a rock (laughs) and, you know, not be the center or Mm -hmm. just be in the periphery. And we're good with that, too. You know, I watched Mm. a really under a tree or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> I watched a really interesting TikTok. I love the TikTok. She loves it. I really, she really I mean, I can lose like days of my life on TikTok. But I watched a really interesting um, video the other day, and it was a woman of color who was talking about a work dynamic with someone that with a white woman, mm-hmm. and the the way that this white woman approached her, she really, oh man, I'm not going to remember all the points, but part of them was, you know, she tried to connect with me and then she tried to position herself as uh, marginalized by saying like, I have a gay son. Mm-hmm. Like, and it was so, oh, I ir- hate when people and do it was that. so irrelevant to the conversation. But so she's, she's trying to relate but then positioning herself as also mar- marginalized and then trying to connect by saying like, listen, I'm here to listen. Like, I want to hear your feedback, blah, blah, blah. And then the woman, oh, I remember what it was. Um, what's the terminology, the acronym that you're, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, D-E-I. D-E-I. Yes. Yeah. And the woman was saying, I get that you're saying that you're here to listen to me mm-hmm. and I am saying to you that the person in charge of DEI needs to be a woman of color, mm. period. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot about the power dynamics. That's what made me think of it, of like so much within like that diversity, equity, inclusion is like, oh, we're here to listen. We're here to about. No, we need people of color in leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what we need. Yeah. And I just found that like it was so like just hit yeah. the nail on the head did you um did you see you people yes not I yet oh you said you loved it yeah <laughs> those are the kind of conversations though where it's like let's be honest and let's be transparent and yes. you know I, you know bless people and their intentions and I, I know some people are are truly trying it's just the, the delivery i mean julia louis dreyfus uh does it so well and there's a scene where she's in the car with uh, Jonas's, um, the woman that plays his fiance, and the song Rise Up comes on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she starts singing it. And she's like, Oh, I love this one. <laughs> and <laughs> so well intended, those boomers. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. I, you well, know, you know, that I mean, uh, bless them for trying to get on the journey. Um, you know, well intended, a little misguided, maybe. Yes. You know? And I think everyone across the board, you have to be willing to fuck up. Yeah. You have to be yeah. willing to fuck up and you have to be willing to say like, hey, I fucked up and here's how I'm going to yeah, try to do yeah. better. Yeah. I, you know, and I'm fortunate, I guess, having been in like, you know, poly and queer you know, burner sort of communities. Like I was exposed to a lot of terminology much earlier than the rest of the world was. And, and like you said, like I was kind of a cunt about it. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, what? You don't understand pronouns. Get your shit together. Like, mm-hmm. and it's like, I mean, you need patience. You need yeah, patience you because ha- there was also a moment, including for uh, people, members of the community. There was a moment where you didn't, have that vocabulary you didn't even maybe have that insight you were quite confused yourself about where you are where you were because of the context of the world you're growing up in right so it takes patience to to communicate to to wait for the other person to catch it and also the attachment to it like don't be attached to the other person understanding because Mm. you have no control over that Mm. you know and it's it's layered, but I'm also not in a position to speak about it because I haven't, right? Even though I myself did do identify as queer, meaning that I'm married in a cis monogamous relationship. Um, 
but before that, I, I was open to that, right? I, I chose who I chose and I'm happy with where I'm at and mm-hmm. I'm comfortable, you know, keeping it that way. And it's important to, to again, yeah, be patient with others as you're patient with, with yourself mm-hmm. in that process. Yeah, and I love what you said that, you know, I, speaking of memes, right? I saw one that was like, you can't, you can't control how people love you. You can control how you, how you receive it and how you interact with it, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and similarly with, you know, I guess where people are at in their spectrum of learning and understanding, you know, we talk a lot about our moms and mm-hmm. our, our complicated relationships. And my mom has come a long way, but there, there does come a time where I just sort of like wear my compassion suit and just, you know, just try to be loving and, yeah. and, and explain things when they need yeah. to be explained and, exactly. and create boundaries when they need to be created. And, kind of meet her where she's at and like try to understand how her sort of wheels turn, you know, because yeah. usually comes from a very loving place. It's just the delivery is not always It's not. Great. They, they literally yeah. grew up in a completely different world. So different. Absolutely. And then I think the flip side of like that meme of like you can't control the way people love you, but you can state your needs. Oh, yeah. And I think like that's something that we constantly ask each other as friends when we're asking each other for advice. Well, like, did you say what you needed? Mm-hmm. Did you state your needs? You know, and I think that's really powerful. And then practicing stating your needs and detachment with love of like, you cannot be attached to the results. You can state your needs and then see how they respond and then act accordingly, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. like that woof and giving people the patience, like, our, like my 100%. mom, oh my God, like, Giving her the, because I know it takes her a long time to process, Mm -hmm. but man, she comes around sometimes. Yeah. It takes her months, (laughs) months and some really strong boundaries, but sometimes she comes around and it's surprising and it's, it's lovely. Yeah. You can definitely, you know, that saying of teaching, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I was like, that's not true. Mm-mm. I feel like there has to be a willingness, of course. It does take maybe more work depending on how flexible or inflexible that person's mindset or perspective is, but it's definitely doable. And I think ultimately they're teaching themselves. We're exactly. guiding them. Exactly. Of like, it just, are you guys watching um, The Last of Us? Yes. Oh, what is that? <laughs> I'm going to backflip. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's so good. So it's a dystopian future. You know how I love it. Oh, those shows. that's the one you were telling you me about. The present tense. You mean the present tense? Oh, yeah. It kind <laughs> of is. Dystopian future around the corner next year. Yeah. So, you know, Tomorrow. I told you about it. There's, like, there's a very deadly pandemic and like basically all society falls apart. But the third episode, you know, low key. Yeah. Um, but the third episode is, I won't give it away for you or our listeners, but um, it is is one of the most beautiful representations of queer love that I have ever seen. Mm. And, oh my, uh, it ugly is beautiful. Cri- I ugly cried. I love, I that was my favorite episode thus far. Oh my God, I sobbed, sobbed, sobbed. And apparently the director's cut is like two hours long. Mm. It was like original. I was like, release It could the, be a movie. That whole episode could cut. be a single standing oh, movie. So it's beautiful. Did but, y'all, oh sorry, Oh, sorry, sorry. But the thing that, what I wanted to say about it is, um, one of the lines that he says, and I don't know if this is it exactly, but he says, he's like asking for something and there's a lot of pushback from Nick Offerman's character. And he says, um, love me the way I want to be loved. Yes. (laughs) 
man, I sobbed. Mm, that's and hard for that, some people. And in that mm. moment, but in that moment, his partner got it. Yes. Of like, I'm asking <sighs> you for this because this is how I want to be loved. Don't love me your way. Mm-hmm. Love me the way I mm-hmm. want to be loved. Wow. And most relationships and both even re- thinking of family. Uh, relationships and not necessarily have to end because let's say for me like I'm not one to cancel folk out so I may have a family member that I just need to microdose on and not take full doses of and that's okay you know that's okay <sighs> mutual understanding let's agree to disagree and microdose on each other and mm-hmm. I have respect and love for you perpetually yes. amen um so in in the in those in that context it's 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 important to to also learn to let go how you were saying before when you're not receiving mm-hmm. what you have been very clear on how you want to be loved or how you want to receive. Yeah. Mm. I think that's a very important part of understanding the value of stating your needs is that they might not be met. They might not be met. And, you, and there's and a lot of acceptance. Okay. Yeah, you have to accept that. There's so much acceptance and surrender in that. You must surrender to like things you cannot control, you know. Um, I remember... I remember the first time I got the concept of when you make a request, you have to give someone the space to say yes or no. Yeah. And then be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's obviously huge in, in consent and, and yes. you know, especially like a sex party space, but also just like in friendships, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll always be like, Hey, do you have space to chat? Or, no, I don't. I'm sorry. Can we chat later? Cool. Yes. Great. You know, or like when I was a kid, I remember, maybe it was not, not a kid, but like later teenage years, I said to my mom, thank you. Um, I actually don't want advice. Can you just listen? I just, I just want to be heard. And that too, saying that first is key. Because sometimes I, I'm oftentimes, since I could remember even as a child, the person that was either between two conflicting friends that were fighting with each other and I was like the middle person or the mediator. Mm. Or people coming to me like, it's nothing to do with me, the issue. But they're like, okay, this is the situation. This is what they said. This is what I said. This is what the other one said. And like, always in that position, which is funny how I'm doing the work I do. And it's honestly like, no, there was no real training other than like the actual, right? Spending time as a Reiki practitioner, only Reiking myself, working with myself and family, no one else. Spending time as a massage therapist, learning the things, my spiritual practice, learning about all these different faith traditions and how reverence, how you said showing up to with your mom to the synagogue, there's this sense of reverence that is universal, that is indisputable. I'm there for all of that. Um, So then being able to hold space for others to me is so innate. And now it's just easier because it is, there's a boundary, right? Like people are coming to me with that understanding. Mm -hmm. In my own friend groups, I am appreciating when people are like, I just need you to listen. Or when they're like, mm. actually, I want you to listen and then just give me some feedback or help me out in this way. Or I just want to know what you think about mm. it or whatever it is. A lot of times I'm like, what do you mean? Like what I think doesn't matter. <laughs> it's what right. you think and how you feel that <laughs> right, matters. Right. But but sure, I'll, I'll give you my, my two yeah. cents, as they say. And I do feel like, I mean, I lo- that's when I am in that practice, it is so good for my relationships of yeah. asking before the conversation, would you like me to listen or would you like feedback? And then, like, also, like, I've dealt with a lot of, like, really heavy, heavy stuff. And something that Judah taught me, which, not that he taught me, but, like, the way he says it is really, really cute. Like, when when we know it's a heavy subject matter, Mm -hmm. he'll text me and he'll be like, you got your life jacket on? (laughs) 
And I'm like, yes, I do. Life jacket. I've got my, like, you know, yeah. it's like I've got my oxygen mask on. If yeah. Mine is on. Mm-hmm. I can breathe mm-hmm. so I can help you with yours. Yes. So I'm here. I'm, I'm okay. You know, and sometimes the answer is no. not right yeah. now. Yeah. And that's, that's a valuable And that's no. beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, to like allow someone the space and the non-judgment 100%. to be like, Oh, I can't today. Yeah. I can't do it today. Yeah. Or yeah. even when something's going to remain unresolved, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm leading more group spaces recently. It's something too that I've always gravitated to, um, like in college, you know, gathering with other women and creating a women's retreat for ourselves, you know, um, and now working with, you know, social worker leading uh, trainings for other providers um, and just we have agreements, community agreements that we always start our time with. And one of those is that like, you don't expect also a safe space. This space may not be fully safe and mm-hmm. be okay with that. Notice your triggers, mm-hmm. you journal. I always encourage people to bring notepads or whatever you need to process. And also don't expect things to be resolved or if something's opened up that you're going to leave with it all packaged and closed and perfect to go. No, you might leave with it a bit open and like, and in essence, warning them beforehand so that they can take care of themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think that's so important in like sensitive environments like that, where, you know, people are going to be talking about personal things or dealing with very personal things that Mm -hmm. are affecting them. I learned, I learned so much where like you learned a lot from like the, the poly community. I learned so much from the 12 step community. Yes. Mm. Because their their traditions and concepts are so laid out and so clear mm-hmm. and you know 15, and spiritually grounded and too. And spiritually grounded. It's a spiritual program, yeah. you know, and I remember, you know, 15 years ago when I finally started going to Al-Anon meetings, um one of the biggest things that was so incredible to me was the concept of no crosstalk. Mm. And no crosstalk of like, no one's going to interrupt me. No one's going to comment on what I'm saying. No one's going to engage with me unless I invite them to, Mm. you know, and that it, I felt so held and so safe. And it was something that I did not experience in my family, Mm -hmm. you know, and it sadly for all the same reasons, Mm -hmm. because there was so much alcohol abuse and there was, you know, children that felt responsible for their parents and and that always felt like they had to offer advice. They had to fix. Yes. And there is nothing worse than feeling like someone is trying to fix you. And I say that as someone who's done it in so <laughs> many oh, of my too. relationships. As you're saying no interruption, I interrupted you right now. Oh, Just no, adding no, no. an extra ad lib. Like, <laughs> no, and, and this. But like, you know, like, we've all done it. Yeah. Like, I'm not innocent. Like, yeah. fixing is such... A, it's so, it's so damaging. It's such a damaging thing. And like, that's something that I really, um, that makes my best relationships so amazing is they just let me be who I am mm-hmm. with all my flaws, with all my fucking traumas, mm-hmm. with all my like, you know, they let me be me, you know, and that, God, that's, that's a really beautiful thing, mm-hmm. you know? That is beautiful. I feel seen. I feel seen and heard. Wow. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. Beautiful. I I definitely, yeah, I had an interaction with uh, one of my other closest friends recently where it was like, you know, our friendship has shifted Mm -hmm. completely, almost 180 since uh, the genesis of it. 
And, you know, she's taken on a very difficult job. Um, she wants to see her parents a lot who live in Texas. Mm -hmm. And this is someone who was physically always in my life, like always came to my shows and always was there. And we had talked about it, you know, and the, and the pandemic really kind of messed with her as well. A lot of different things, you know, things shift and people shift and friendship shift. And sometimes it's, I'm like, I don't want to change socks, man. You know, and I'm an only child. So it's like, I have a, a tendency to take on friendships as family, mm -hmm. chosen family. Right. And I was holding on to not saying anything because I was like, well, we already talked about this. Mm. And she doesn't like conflict and mm. I don't want to upset her. Then you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Right. And I don't want, I don't want her to get shut down. And here I was walking around with a backpack and yeah. we just were having a conversation and I just lovingly ended up sharing with her like, I miss you. I miss you. I miss seeing you. I miss, I know our friendship doesn't look the same. And at the end of the day, I'm just sad that I don't get to see you. Yeah. And then it was, she, you know, we both cried, of course. <laughs> and, you know, and it was really lovely. And she's like, I wish you would have told me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to hold on to that shit. And, yeah. And I realized all I had to do was just tell you what was going on for me and not but come we try from to protect like, them. And I was protecting it's, it's her and I didn't want to accuse her. And so I was just like, and it was like, no, I don't need to be in this sort of weird, you know, mm. uh, uh, paralyzed state. It's like, no, just say what you want and what you need and what's going on. Just do it in a loving way and just, exactly. you know, deal with it as it comes. The do know? no harm part. And you know what? If she does get shut down, I'm not going to die. It's okay. And you can't control that. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And I think like it, it's, um, it's reminding me of like, uh, I mean, and you would have so much to say about this. I'm sure that like our bodies are such like a signal system that like our bodies tell us something is going a hundred percent. Oh my God. And it never lies. It truly yeah. never lies. We can second guess it. We can try to like refabricate the truth or like, <laughs> no, this is what it's saying. It's like, no, it was clear when you first said it, it just felt uncomfortable yes. to acknowledge but you have to listen. And it's so ironic because I'm a professional dancer, so I'm so mm. in touch with my body. However, there are times where I disassociate from my body. Yeah, likewise. And I think there's there was use of that also as a dancer to disassociate from pain and to be able to perform. Mm. Um, and then there's like my emotional self, like where I was able to disassociate from like a traumatic event, mm -hmm. but I'm learning so much. And especially since starting EMDR, we've both done EMDR therapy, the value of staying in your body. And like when that, when I get that um, nervous system reaction to start to breathe, breathing and to, to breathe and to to do like that full body scan of like, okay, there's your feet, there's your calves, there's your, okay, and we're breathing and like something is going on here and we're going to let it, you would have fucking died. So I did um, Keith and the girls uh, marathon the other day. Yeah, I saw, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you had a fun episode too. You had some good people on your episode. <laughs> there was, so, I mean, fuck it, I'll like say it on our podcast. So Joe DeRosa was on there. Oh, Okay. Who I dated briefly fifteen years ago, and I haven't seen him. Oh, was in that like fifteen a, years? Oh, because he wasn't on your flyer. It was the overlap period. So I fucking froze. I froze. I had a full body. Like yep. 
I have I'm very familiar with that. Full body reaction. And I was like that. Like in the moment, I was like, oh my God, stay in your body, stay in your body. And then like intellectually, I was like, why is this happening? Like it didn't end terribly. I think it was just like who I was 15 years ago. Yeah, it's a, you recalled some trauma. Your body remembers. A hundred percent. And like who I was 15 years ago was such a different person. And I had so much unresolved trauma, mm-hmm. which poor Joe DeRosa can probably... he can probably confirm that um and he didn't acknowledge me and i didn't acknowledge him and it was just so awkward and i literally (laughs) i literally could and then oh and then of course keith had to like be keith you know so like did anyone point it out he's a ball buster because no one knew no one on there knew stir the pot yeah so keith had no idea what was going on inside my nervous system but i was like you know when you come into the podcast you don't get announced like you just pop in because it's kind of like a rotating cast and it's on zoom and yeah yeah and so keith of course introduces me as Kristen o'brien and i was like keith (laughs) (laughs) and i was like fuck you, Keith, don't be a dick. And he was like, look at your screen. And I was like, what? I had misspelled my own name (laughs) on the Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, and he was like, did you misspell your own name? And I was like, and so of course, everyone takes the piss out of me. We're all laughing. And then Joe was like, gotta go. (laughs) And I was just like, thank God. And then towards the end of my time, I like had to bring it up. I was like, guys, I I was like, guys, I couldn't function. Like, I don't know what happened. Like I froze. And like, this is what was going on when I was like, oh my God, they must have loved it. And so everyone ate it up. They, of course they ate it up. And so we're all laughing. And I was like, yes, I was frozen for like the first 10 minutes. Like, you know, but it's just the body. And then, and now I get to go to my EMDR therapist and be like, what was that about? You yeah. know, like mm-hmm. that full body reaction. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I literally had that happen when I was testing for uh, driver's test, like to get my license, yeah. my driving license, that mm-hmm. test you have to take. Yeah. One, I was reading Elizabeth Acevedo's Poet X. <laughs> She's actually a dear friend of mine. And in that part that I was reading, she was highlighting same thing I had said before, like catcalling and just like this dynamic of power that's really effed up between just like young women walking down the street and men just trying to impose, right? The man testing me was sort of being impulsive too. He was just like, get in the car. And it's like, I start driving and then he's like, you're going too slow. And then I was going too fast. And then, and I disassociated completely as well. So do you imagine being behind the wheel? And normally in my like uh, test, not test, the, the classes I took, yeah. very conscious of where my pinky was even. I was like, knew where everything was. I was like, oh, I got this. Mm-hmm. I get into the situation. I'm highly triggered. And he's just being pushy on top of it. And it was awful. I failed. I turned into like the wrong. I landed on the wrong side of the road. (laughs) There were no cars there, but he acted like there was a truck about to hit us. And I was like, calm down. Yeah. What is this? (laughs) And apparently it's just a thing they do too. like just men and women when they're testing. Sometimes they get testy Mm. with the people they're testing. So it is what it is. And maybe to see how you behave under pressure. I guess. But damn. It was just it did not feel good. I didn't never Mm -hmm. test it again. I I still have to do that. (laughs) Oh man. I still don't know how to drive, guys. 
I got you if you need help. I, okay. <laughs> I, I, I passed perfectly the first time because I'm a fucking nerd. Um, and it was Long Island and it was like low stakes. You know, mm. I, I imagine doing it in the city is really stressful. So, mm. you know, wow, that, that makes me think of so many things. Yeah. I, I guess the first thing it makes me think of is, um, you know, people be like, how did she not get out of that situation? You know, when it comes to like a lot of, uh, situations often with yeah. powerful men and how many times I've had coercive sex. There's that. And I already forgot the other thing. So see, yeah. you see, so and that's part of I it. It's all, it's, right it's, it's all part of it. No, it's live and direct. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and no it's honestly the, that the reason I got into the work I'm doing was mostly that like I was in college doing all the things to also studying things that I thought were very fun and and interesting anthropology and psychology were my majors at Wesleyan University and a class after class that I took was so relevant and resonant to my personal healing in life like whatever was going on for me in that moment mm. um, so I utilized it intentionally I was like oh great we're t- I'm taking a class on this and also going through this in my life like let's you know dialogue even every paper I wrote was very psycho-emotionally involved mm. um i was a procrastinator i'm trying not to use that word to scrap myself anymore um but what it means is for me i realize now it's not that i was procrastinating is that i have a process and my process involved doing x y and z before it involves sort of letting things percolate i would always just write random things on the page to then come back to it and and do more with it i was learning and realizing that there's a lot done to analyze sort of intellectually what how trauma affects and not enough done to sort of the embodied aspect of it, mm. right? And then looking at both my family and community, how they used alternative healing methods for themselves, how other communities use alternative healing methods for themselves, and, and noting like what is the common thread? And there is this common thread of like involving the body. We learned it through dance. Like dancing was therapeutic. It's like, oh, how did like slaves, uh, people survive through slavery? They had community. Right, what you were talking about mm-hmm. before, like when you gather with others, how powerful that is, which is why circles, lunar circles or circles of all, of all kinds are becoming more popular now because we need that quote unquote church, but we don't want it to be necessarily through a dogmatic lens or perspective. Um, but I found myself, uh, one, also having a very visceral response to trauma, like I broke out in hives, like mm-hmm. completely out of nowhere while writing a paper an autoethnography to be at that, where I also involved other women in my life. Like it was focused on like Afro-Dominican or self-identified Afro-Dominican women and how they use the arts and education as a form of social resistance. Mm. And lo and behold, that's what I was doing myself too without, you know, it's, it's interesting. I always, I realize it all starts within uh, like that Gandhi quote, like change begins with the self. But in the moment of the, when I'm making the choices I'm making, I'm not aware of that necessarily. Maybe mm. looking back, I'm like, oh, that's why, you know, that's why I chose that route. That's why I went that way. But I was so tired of feeling trapped and overwhelmed by my own body at this point in my early 20s where I was like, all right, what's what's out there? Oh, holistic, what is that? Oh, Reiki, what is that? And like just learning and learning very much self-taught, uh, though I do, you know, I'll give credit to teachers that did literally stumble that I stumbled upon um, I studied with with a doctor in Dominican Republic who was a naturopathic doctor my own Reiki teacher and asking questions to my elders like sitting my grandma down and being like hey grandma you said when I was little that this and this happened to me and she's like well yeah we took you to this lady and she pulled the skin of your back and I was like the skin of my back and I come to find out that that's like almost like Twina like Chinese yeah 
uh, like massage therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Dominican Republic, whoever did that to me was not aware of that context. But what I'm saying is in every tradition, there's some form of tissue body manipulation mm-hmm. to get things moving. Um, or get things unstuck, which is in essence like what massage yeah. mm-hmm. therapy does, right? Like bring fluid and fresh blood to those stagnant places that are like screaming at you for, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether it's Your ass massage. Is yelling for sitting on it all day. Yeah. Massage, <laughs> cupping, acupuncture, all you know, of all of these things. Dance. Dance. Oh, yeah, Super gosh. therapeutic. I, dance Ecstatic is was dance, my therapy. Five rhythms, all that stuff. We gotta go do that. I know we have to go we do that. Do have you ever done like that kind of sort of? I've seen it. It's like a guided dance meditation I, or like a sober mm. rave, like that stupid scene in the Matrix. I've yeah. done like um. <laughs> I love it. Scene in the Matrix. You know, the I, second, think, I think I was part of a one. circle of some sort that involved an aspect of that, but I can't say that it was like legit that and that, that yeah. I was part of it. So I haven't. But it looks amazing. I, I understand the value of it. And yeah, one of one of the last. I think the last time, the last time I did mushrooms. Um, I love mushrooms. I love psychedelics, <laughs> and I love it to communicate with my higher power and yes. to communicate it with a higher in- to communicate with a higher in- intelligence. It's what they do underground, right? Like yes. uh, mycelium, they communicate their network. It's like the cell phone down downstairs. So it's like trees. A tree needs to tell another tree something, and they're like, "Yo, mycelium, let them know." What's up? Yes. And, <laughs> and it's literally it a it web, does. a web of information. Have you heard about the study that they did with the um with the Japanese uh, train system? No. Where they, they took a map of the Japanese subway system and they recreated it like 3D and they released mycelium mm-hmm. and let the mycelium grow into the map and it actually reconfigured the map to be more efficient. Efficient. Wow, they're highly intelligent. Highly intelligent, oh. and that's also why The Last of Us is so intelligent it too. It is so intelligent. It's so that's it's what's so getting interesting. Wrong. It's is so, that is that a spoiler, you? or is that just known from the beginning that well, it's like that's known about mushrooms, and then like it's it's a mushroom spore that causes like the pandemic. You were the one that sent me the thing about the redwood trees. No, what's happening with the redwood trees? I really want to go see them again. Mm. I've never, I've never seen them. I watched, you know, (laughs) speaking of TikTok or Mm -hmm. Instagram, whatever it is, I watched this video that was basically, and don't quote me on this, please don't quote me on this, (laughs) but definitely find it, look for it. Um, Apparently, the redwood trees were not always located where they are. The environment Mm. changed, and they moved themselves to where they needed (sighs) more water. I love them even more now. Wow. They fucking move, you know, because they're so old, right? And so I have this visual of them literally like uprooting themselves and having like, roots walk around. But like point. literally, you know, they're so old that like they move at a pace that we can't see. No, we can't see it. Exactly. Exactly. But they literally move. That is so cool. I'm telling yeah, you. there's like, an underground network of communication. The world is more magical than we could 100%, ever know. And that's, yes. again, why I love I love doing mushrooms because I feel so tapped into that world and Mm. so connected to it. And one of the, the last time I did mushrooms, the message that I got, like there's always like a, it always like narrows down by the end of the trip to one specific message. And the message was that my body is responding to how I am interacting with it. Mm. So it's like my body is not my enemy. My body is not a problem. It's not something to fix. It is responding to how I am interacting with it. It is responding to what I'm eating. Is it responding to the amount of sleep I get? It's responding to the amount of exercise I get, the amount of affection I get. Like 
It's just responding. And then we are in communication. Exactly. Myself and my body are in communication. And whatever is go- whatever is going wrong, my bo- that's my body telling me. Yes. Hey, I don't like that. I don't mm-hmm. like when you eat that. I don't like when you don't move for two days. Mm-hmm. I don't like when you're alone for a week. I don't like that. And I'm telling you. And God. like th- it only has so many ways. Yeah. Like I think a lot about that with like babies and dogs. Like they only have so many ways to communicate with us. Mm-hmm. And your body only has so many ways to communicate with you. It and does. it communicates. It does. It's symbolic you. a lot of times. That's yeah. what I tell people when I'm like, listen to your body. They're like, what do you mean? I was like, no, it's not going to tell you in words. But um, symbols, <laughs> yeah. sensations, uh, memories, feelings, vibes. visuals, vibes, oh, even man. your hair standing up, like all of these things. Um, I remember being little and listening to music and having that reaction and being like, what is that? And then lo and behold, it becomes like a super big song. And it's, it's just that. Things that become tend to be popular, especially with music, resonate. Mm. with people and that's why yeah the whole like definition of Mm. resonance as like a musical term i mean you would know like it is like the way sound is interacting with our body and interacting with the the environment the way it vibrates things well that's why like when a yoga class doesn't ohm at the end i'm like but but the thing is so good it's the the, the vibration Mm. and 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 just made me think about something because (laughs) we are here in lovely inwood you know it's very popular to have like strong strong bass in your car mm-hmm. and i wonder if that's giving something to the person like that vibration mm-hmm. is giving something to the person that they need you know yeah. i never thought of it that way but i like i wonder if that's like I if mean, that really heavy bass and vibration is like i'd like to think so i think it's just a uh, it's a flex it, is, it a is a flex, but I do remember being little and not being bothered by sitting next to the speakers. Mm. I feel like the, yeah, the, and I think it was because of the vibration mm. um, and also because I could zone into the music and kind of ignore everything else. Mm. I would dance on the speakers at the Palladium. Mm. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, I do think like different types of music and like cultural music, like it is very specific. The resonance, the sound, like have there's so much meaning in it, mm-hmm. and there's more percussion too. I feel in certain like music from certain areas, mm. specifically for me, like I've been very drawn to any Af- Afro derived anything. Mm. Specifically in my country, Dominican Republic, we have something called palos, and it's it's drum drumming music. Yeah. Um, you know, again, came and developed through, and every country, every Latin American country has a version mm-hmm. of yeah, yeah. music that basically came through the the struggles that both immigrant communities, enslaved yeah. communities, yeah. Um, and they created these sounds yeah. to Por- deal with their with their trauma. Because what is music but an ex- an expression and both a channel? Because I feel like it never just comes from your own brain. Mm. It's like you and even Einstein, right, can like vouch to this, where so much of of his own research and studies, he he says, I don't know, I've read a lot of different things. I can't tell you the exact source, but um, that he trusts in the unknown. Like there's this mystery, mm-hmm. right? And that's what spirituality is. And there's communication too coming, coming through that, that your body is a receptor, Absolutely. right? Your body is an antenna, is a vessel. And who are we to say that it doesn't have its own consciousness too, even without you there? Like there's other beings in there. There's like, we're mostly bacteria. We have all sorts of things inside of us that are conscious, that are communicating to us too. And oftentimes too, I have to get into that um, a bit when like my body is craving something, especially if it's something that's not necessarily healthy for me to have like in excess. 
And I'm like, mm, is that the yeast in me being like, hey, give us our other fix. Feed us, feed give us. Give me my fix. It's like the yeast the, in me being like, mm, give me that bread. <laughs> literally, your microbiome can control. A hundred percent. Can control your appetite and yeah. your cravings and and that's like and that's another organism that's yeah. a different organism well and your serotonin uptake starts in your gut it does start in the gut yeah people forget that so if your gut is not working then you know boom Mm-hmm. So it's like, I remember having the huge epiphany. I mean, aside from the fact that alcohol is a depressant, it messes with your pH. And then when your pH is messed up, it messes with your serotonin. And it's yeah. like, oh, That's why do I feel I, like that shit? That makes so much sense. I, yeah, I tend to feel, I, I've started to, for the last, I mean, maybe eight years, I have a hard limit. I can't always say I follow that. Sometimes there's like, you know, I'm visiting a pushy family member sure. who's like, drink another one. Um, but two, two is my limit mm. because of that same reason. Yeah. And I sometimes often opt to not even engage yeah. in alcohol because of the side effects. Like I can feel hungover while drinking it. Wow. Like my body is that quick to be like, why are you doing this again? Yeah. Didn't we, didn't we tell you last time when you kept yeah. going to the bathroom and felt like crap for like three days after mm. one glass of wine? I was like, yeah. come yes. on. And yeah. as I get older, it gets more and more sensitive. I had this conversation actually with Pamela, our shared EMDR therapist. I love that you guys share <laughs> therapists. You know, listen. It's beautiful. She's That's a true incre- friendship right She's there. incredible. <laughs> She's lovely. Um, and yeah. Pamela's so professional, of course. Like, she would never discuss anything. We had this conversation the other day in our session because um, I was telling her about Daniel Maté. And and she was saying, yes, like, your gut, like, that is, it's, um, she was explaining it to me that, like, that's where uh, most of your brain receptors are, where the receptors are. So that's, like, like oftentimes when you are, fearful or excited you either get like your stomach drops Mm -hmm. you feel it in your gut your stomach drops or you get butterflies like you feel it in your gut Mm -hmm. which is so interesting Mm -hmm. i feel it both in my gut and my feet Mm. and my son is very clear on this too because he um oftentimes if he has like a random scare he's like why did i feel that in my feet and i was like oh you too and it feels like a tingle it's like a and it makes sense to even energetically speaking, right? Our root center is in our legs. It is like in the groin area, really, mm-hmm. but is responsive to, to to the legs. And and that is fear resides there. That's what the root yeah. chakra is. When, when it's out of balance, you're engaging in too much like lack of trust and too much fear. And, and that creates, and that's the root. If that's the foundation, that creates like a whole cycle of, wow. of in essence, draining. Because mm, yeah. fear drains you. I mean, I feel exhausted after, and I'm trying to think of like moments of high, high fear or when you're highly activated, you're so tired after. Oh, absolutely. That, that's a huge thing. And, and how the emotional body, like sleep and being tired for me are both like a natural response and a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And I have found, and I've shared this with her, that like after EMDR, a lot of the time, like I'm done for the day. I am done because you are activating the body and you are dealing with trauma through the body. It has a very like, it's a very somatic science. Um, But the other thing that you said, there's just so much interesting things happening. Um, But how, you know, it's not just us in our body. That like we have bacteria and we have all of these things. And we also have our ancestors in our DNA. Yes, of course. And that, like, for me, I had a really interesting conversation, actually, with with Judah um, recently because I've had a lot of death in my family lately, Mm. and I feel them 
like I feel them on a body level. Yes, I know exactly I, like, I feel what you're them talking about. In me, which sounds really weird, but they're with me. Mm-hmm. Like they are in my DNA quite literally and then I feel them very strongly in spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's very intense. Yes. It is so intense yes. and I've always felt very connected to like you know, life beyond the earth and like I'm very connected to my dreams and mm-hmm. like I feel very connected to the spiritual world and particularly like my ancestry and feeling like, and when they pass and go to wherever, like the way I like to say it is like their spirit is not in their body on earth anymore, mm-hmm. but it, now it's everywhere. Mm. Yeah. And, it's, and part of it being everywhere is it's also in you. It always has been. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, because if they return to source, right, and you're part of source, and everything <laughs> is interconnected, and quantum physics, and may you have it, it it makes sense actually. And it's a very intense feeling. Like I feel death very intensely, mm-hmm. both negatively and positively. Mm-hmm. Like grief, mm-hmm. you know, grief is like the humanity in me. Yes, and then I feel it intensely in that way mm-hmm. of like feeling them depart. And then re-reside. Mm. <laughs> it's really something I love else. That. That's beautiful. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've felt death like that too. I've been fascinated by death since I was a girl. It, initially, as a young kid, it wasn't like positive per se. It gave me a lot of fear because mm. of the unknowns. Mm. Um, also because death as an archetype, it embraces like the shadow aspects of ourselves. So if I had things like sexual trauma that I wasn't fully conscious of as, as a kid because it happened very young, I would be afraid of the dark, but that can be symbolically. It's mm. just I'm afraid of going to that dark place because I don't know what's there. But I remember family members, even my whole immigration story, like we got to this country because my aunt's husband uh, petitioned for her to come with a visa. She came with my grandmother on my father's side. And then... Uh, When my grandmother was here, she then petitioned for her children, including my father. Then when he came here, he petitioned for my mother and I, right? They were married by then. And lo and behold, as soon as we came, by the time I was five, six, he died. This uncle, my biological aunt's husband, died from cancer. Mm -hmm. So from the get, I had very clear understanding of like, wow, like somebody was here and they're no longer here. And it was illness, right? It was cancer. So I think from a very young age, I've been very fascinated by like health and well-being and what what how, how things work or even like where do we go mm, um being curious about it yet also freaked out by it selena dies and when i was uh 10 years old and you know that was like mass grieving for mm. the latino community and <laughs> i laugh at it now and i didn't think it was strange then but i i like cut her um obituary like her the picture of her in her coffin mm. was up on my wall <laughs> for years Wow. To the point where I was like, all right, maybe this is freaking some people out. Maybe I should move this down. Kind of morbid for a kid. <laughs> but a I A little did. morbid for a 10-year-old. But and, yeah. But also she looks so beautiful. Yeah. And I was like, oh. And like her husband was like, she looked like she was sleeping. I was like, yeah, sleeping beauty. Um, all of this I to say that like. <laughs> in the, you see, you see. Um, <laughs> she was part of my grieving process though. Because that was a death that allowed me to grieve other deaths. Mm-hmm. And allowed me to grieve other losses. Right? Mm-hmm. It coincided with. With my father, who was my, my main guy at home, in terms of like the, the, the talking and connection, he's a storyteller, but also alleviated because he was also a perpetrator of other things. So I was like, you know, if that's what they needed to do, then that's what they needed to do. That relationship didn't work, you know, and I witnessed how it did not work. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it made it made sense. And that's the, it's beautiful to hear you speak on on how they live in, on YouTube. My 
most recent death I've had in, in my family is my cousin who's just 34 when he passed from cancer too. I'm sorry. And, you know, being able to be present for him and his family during a moment where, you know, I was with him the last week of life and he would come back because it is, death is like, it's a jungle out there. It's, he went through so many different things and it's such a personal experience. Like I can't say that what he went through is what everybody goes through. There are some things though, like the hospice gave us like a, a pamphlet of sorts this is what you should expect. Those things did happen. Like, mm -hmm. it is like that. Mm -hmm. But he would come back and just be like, oh, you know, like telling my mom, like, oh, it was beautiful where I was. Or like, I'm seeing ancestors. Mm. Um, it's people that I don't know, but I know they're my family. Or even seeing other scarier things, you know, and, and just his willingness to share and his willingness to, to die so gracefully. There was still oh. grace amidst, amidst the pain. And he was still looking out for everyone around him as he's dying. To me, that was just like, till the very end, dude, you're going to people please and be like, what do you need? And I'm like, Oh, yes, I'll have that avocado if no one else is having it. Get out of here. Of course, it's your avocado. You know, it's like it was all those things. Um, and it's true. I, I, there is, there's, I feel him. I even felt him because when you're in that window, there's a window where you could, you could step into those other worlds while you're still here. Mm -hmm. And there was a moment at that moment, I was in Costa Rica with my family. And I remember waking up as if he was hadn't been in my dream, but he wasn't. And I felt his presence, but I was like alone in my room. And then that day, my mom was like, he was asking about you. And he was saying like, oh, I thought she was going to come through. And I was like, yeah, I am coming through. And literally that day, I bought my ticket to go because I was like, you're right. He yep. was literally, I think like he could have shown up. And like my grandmother did say, she's like, I felt him playing with my toes. This is something he does to me all the time as a joke. He would always like pinch or grab my grandma's to toes while she's laying in bed or something like yeah. that. And lo and behold, he did come back. This is my grandmother, like, on the phone. He came back from, like, his, his you know, sleep or wherever he was. And he was like, yeah, I, I remember. It was a joke. He was, like, playing. He just, he was incoherent a bit. Yeah. So we just, like, deciphered and put things together. But from my lived experience, I do know that that, you know, yeah. he proved that that's true. I mean, death is such a, I also feel very connected to death. I've experienced a lot of death and I it's very sacred and I feel very it's a privilege to experience it to be present when mm -hmm. someone passes mm -hmm. and I've had that privilege of being there for that really feeling them like I remember when my dad passed you know I was sleeping in his hospital room and I woke up I woke up knowing that like he had left and I knew immediately I knew immediately that he was gone. Mm. And there was no other, like, sign. You yeah. know what I mean? And I knew he was gone. Mm -hmm. And then and then conversely, when my godson, my brother's youngest child, was born, I woke up from a dream that he was born. Mm -hmm. And I looked at my phone, and he was born. Like, mm. that we are so mm -hmm. connected that way. And that I have been, like, you know, in their catholic and i'm like the godmother you yeah, know and that's yeah. like a whole catholic thing it is but to be like designated that person like mm. there really is a real spiritual connection between he and i that's like special mm -hmm. you know and i felt him coming i knew he was coming mm -hmm. mm. what's your moon sign i don't know because i don't know what time i was born Mm. I don't know my chart. But the moon really stays sad. in the same spot that whole day. So you would still be the same oh. moon. Sign. There's a lot of things that don't it's move. It's your rising. That's the time. Not not your moon. Oh. Yeah. Well, everything. Y your time gives you the full chart. But there's, for example, no matter what time you were born or even what day you were born of, let's say when I was born, uh -huh. January 85, uh -huh. that whole month, including the month before, including that whole year, Neptune was in the same spot. Oh. 
Well, I'm August 5th, 83. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a computer. I think, I think she's a cancer. I wouldn't know. I think she's You're a, not a computer. No. Nope. I, I think she's a cancer moon. That's, that's my personal take. Um, oh. That would make sense. Because what I was trying to gauge is that there's a permeability that you inherently carry and mm. in cancer as water and as mother and as like literally think of it as like mother ocean wow right that like you kind of touch everywhere and yet like wow. you're the drop and the ocean all at once per roomy per roomy poem um yeah. and and yeah that's i don't know i was just trying to gauge wow i, don't know. I like look. asking questions like that just to look. get like uh themes going well we I, could talk to her, we could talk for, for days <laughs> one million hours um but we have been here for quite a while so yeah, why don't totally we um uh, do the big deck energy cards? They're actually for it. Yeah. right. Uh, the little Behind. little mm-hmm. very high tech deck of cards. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I you can shuffle, shuffle those. Okay, got you. Okay, so just uh, tell her when to stop. Okay, you can stop now. Oh, <laughs> I love it. I think I kind of saw it. <laughs> the word is bitch. How fitting. And it was upright. As soon as you said that word, I thought of Queen Latifah. It was like my introduction Who to hip-hop. you calling a bitch? You win IT. Yep. So that's my context of that word. Wow. You win IT. And I think of my daughter when she first heard or knew of that, the B word as she, you know, because like, yeah, we yeah. Know. And she's like, wait, female dog? Then why do people call each other that? And then, you know, that was a whole. Yeah. A whole workshop yeah. right there for her. <laughs> but I love how we started the episode talking about this. And yeah, it's yeah. No, no coincidence. No coincidence at all. So the definition so what does it say? is a fearless person who unabashedly owns their power and will let you know it, bitch. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I grew to be into that, that person. I am still working through that. And then you had an upright card. So the upright reading is I am tough. I am ambitious and I know exactly what I want. If that makes me a bitch, okay, that's from Madonna. Uh, <laughs> wow, also, how we funny! Because we talked about Madonna. About Madonna. There's yeah. no coincidence. I mean, come on, three witchy bitches in a room. Hello, <laughs> witchy bitches. Like you that. and Madonna both know not everyone is going to like you or your new ass implants. <laughs> they can kiss it, and you keep doing you, bitch. Wow, how funny is that? All of the above. Holy shit. She All was the above. I feel like Madonna that... was in the chat, man. She was. Yes. She was here. She, she was, here. was here. And then the affirmation is I am strong, powerful, magical. Bitch. I know what I want and I get it. I am bitch. I'm with it. Yeah. Water. I support. Ah, <laughs> uh, so this has been amazing. Incredible. And Thank we you could so literally much. talk to you for days. So we'd be happy to have you back whenever you want. Truly. Thank to you. talk Thank about you. um I this don't know fun. the ethos of the universe, really. Um <laughs> <laughs> for real. So tell our lovely listeners where we can find you and what mm-hmm. you got going on. Uh you can find me at Casa Healing. That's my Instagram handle. Casa spelled with a K, K-A-S-A Healing. And you can find me in West Harlem. I have my own private practice. Uh, it's a home office. And if you go on my Instagram, it's linked on my bio, Linktree, Casa Healing. And what are your mediums as far as like uh, modalities? Modalities. Modalities. So Reiki, massage therapy, it's all inclusive. So it's Abiyanga, which is an Ayurvedic style, Chiatsu, it's Japanese, uh, deep tissue, trigger point therapy. 
I, I don't separate. I don't. I just sort of mm-hmm. meet people where they're at and do a whole a combination of. Yes, of things. I personally go for the ninety minute massage Reiki combination. I feel that in my future. Um, Please. it is. It is. That. It is delicious. It is restorative. And goddamn, you're strong. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> it's a good pain. Um, but yeah, no, we we really we dig in, and and you know my body so well, and you're yes. so. You're so intuitive and you're Thank so you. loving and I feel safe with you and yeah, I'm grateful for you. Thank so. you so much. You Likewise, it's always a pleasure. It's such a gift to do this work and it's clients are always so grateful to me and I'm like, I'm grateful to you. Like there's, wow. there is an exchange and it's not a one way street. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for talking to us. Yay. Likewise. <laughs>